Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homie. I'm your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. Here at the Business Creators Radio Show, we invite you as a listener to imagine yourself sitting in on a private mastermind meeting where you're looking for those aha moments that can bring you closer to serving from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and possibly change your entire trajectory when you receive the answers to questions you did not even know that you needed to ask. Today, I am coming to you from my sumptuous apartment here in Las Vegas, Nevada, known to some as the hottest city in America, and we are going to have a conversation about redefining time and redefining your life. So do you find yourself wishing for more time in your life? You've heard, well, everybody has the same 24 hours in a day. Yeah, that's all well and good. But the fact is, we all have the same amount of time distributed evenly between us. Yet in today's world, many of us have fallen into the trap of viewing time as a limited resource, a commodity that can only be traded, which leads us to that sense of scarcity that leads to forced all-nighters. Not the type of all-nighter where you're so excited about your work that you go into a trance-like state of focus, and then you look up and wonder when the hell the sun came up, but the type where you're dragging yourself through it. So what we're going to do here today with our guest who I'm going to introduce you to in just a second is we will delve into the perception of time and explore this common unresourceful time mindset. And when we have time, we'll also address some of the dysfunctional relationships with time that contribute to stress, busyness, overwhelm in our lives, leading to significant health problems, among other things. This is not only for you, this is also for me, because this is a challenge that I deal with frequently, is there never seems to be enough time in the day. I can never outsource enough. I can never leverage enough. There's always, always, always all this stuff, and like, when does it ever end? So today's guest, his name is Daniel Lawson. So from corporate strategist to founder of a unique lifestyle brand, Daniel's journey, which he's going to tell you about in a moment, from creating Parallax Apparel to Parallax Transformations, charts a daring path of redefining success. So he pathed the adventurepreneur coaching niche, blending adventure and entrepreneurship to spark profound transformations. Is the author of Three Toxic Lies to Keep You Busy, Stressed, and Unfulfilled, Daniel challenges hustle culture norms, which is great because I'm not a hustler, and our perception of time using his unique approach to empower high-performing CEOs and entrepreneurs to confront their mediocrity, and in doing so, find their edge in the relentless pursuit of having it all. Beyond coaching, Daniel delivers transformative retreats on global paradises, shattering paradigms and instilling new perspectives, helping others redefine their realities. 
His journey underlines his distinctive authority as a guide in a relentless pursuit of holistic success. And if that sounds like a mouthful, it certainly is. I got to tell you that I'm not sure I'm worthy to be present in this man's space. And this is my show and my episode. But anyway, Daniel Lawson, come on in. The weather's fine. Hello. Thank you so much. What an introduction. Thank you. And of course, Adam, you're more than worthy. Everyone here is more than worthy. I'm so pumped for this call. Thank you for having me. <laughs> All right. So uh, I read off the official bio. And now what we like to do before we dive in, you gave me some pretty interesting things you want to make sure that we cover when you and I chatted in the green room earlier is before we do that, let's peel back the curtain a little bit. And I want you to tell you, tell us a bit in your own words, something of your journey that's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion as described. Yeah. Oh, there's so many parts that we could dive into here. I think it's staying on the on the theme and the concept of time and relationship with time. There's two big, really big parts for that for me. Um it came through the realization of coaching oh, probably a few years ago now, coaching many other business entrepreneurs. And as I like to call it back there, it was um, adventrepreneurship and realizing and discovering, well, we all, and I say that with a huge generalization, have uh, a poor relationship with time. And I realized that it's not really time is, is not the problem at all. And when I started reflecting on my own journey, it came from a place of childhood, childhood and realizing we're not before I was old enough, old enough to have any real significant problems in, in, in life. You know, I'm talking at 10, 12, 15, going to high school, those kind of years to realize, wow, I was having time troubles back there. I felt like there wasn't enough time. I was always running out of time. And as I grew older, and there was real challenges like adulthood and taking care of life and taking care of business and taking care of other people in my life that these this relationship with time started really compounding and really starting to get quite challenging. I still didn't have it. I still don't have it figured out now totally. Um, starting business, it really got challenging there, as, as you can imagine, and probably the listeners here as well. As you start a business, time seems to compress. And it was around the start of my journey. Uh, I was moving from affiliate marketing space, uh, building my first like real business for myself, which was Parallax Apparel. It was a water sport, uh, yeah, water sports apparel brand, Parallax Apparel. Uh, and I started. I, I, I found this word Parallax, and for those most people don't know what it means. Maybe if you're in engineering or photography, web design, we use this word Parallax, and basically it describes the perception of when or the perspective, when you change your perspective on objects, the object appears to change. And I was like, wow, this is a really great metaphor for the way that we live life. And when I change my perspective on reality and on life, well, we can create different opportunities. We can create a whole new world. I started realizing that it's, it's almost like everything is just made up. Everything's just a concept. And what if we change the concept the way the way we're living? So I built my whole brand around that. That's Parallax Apparel. I got into uh, coaching at that stage. As I say, it was entrepreneurship, tying adventure and entrepreneurship together and just redefining the way that I saw life. And then that came through quite heavily in my coaching and my mentoring. And, and that led into this whole concept of the way that I was perceiving time to be. And I could rewrite it through a different lens of belief that was much more certain. Are these beliefs true? I, I don't know. Yes, maybe, but do they serve? 
hugely. It's transformed my life and many of the people that I've worked with. That is that that's great. So what we want to do here is uh, I may go through these somewhat in order because you've developed quite a flow here for our conversation. We may throw in some extra points here as well, but let's start with the map that you showed me earlier and let's just kind of follow it. So as I mentioned, time seems to be a universal challenge for many, whether you're in the corporate world, whether you're in your entrepreneurship, even in your personal life, anywhere we look. So you mentioned a little bit about how time has been a challenge for you in your life. So uh, can you? So what I'm looking for is, I guess, a couple of instances that really brought this home for you to realize that the construct of time has been in opposition to your trajectory rather than facilitating it? Yeah, yeah, it's a really good question. There's there's so many instances, and I, I, I sense that anyone listening to this will be able to target them very specifically, depending on what's important in, in our lives as individuals, right? It, when it comes to time and the conversation around time, what I seem to notice is where it seems like we're lacking in time for what's most important in our lives and as I started diving into that I'm like why is that if we've all got the same amount of time in the day available to us why aren't we just taking care of those things that are most important for whatever reason we can dive into that in a little bit later if we're not taking care of what's most important in our lives it starts creating internal stresses right so it's the, the feeling of constantly feeling overwhelmed or stressed or I can't, I can't relax or lacking a presence or not being focused. Maybe it looks like being exhausted and close to facing burnout or, or being burnt out. There's symptoms of not saying no, not saying no to um, requests uh, or, or offers or opportunities and feeling guilty for myself or not taking care of someone else that really needs help and um, missing time with those that you care about, whether it's kids or family or the partner. Um, not having enough time, it feels like lacking success or feeling isolated or, or alienated. There's, there's so many different ways it plays out for myself. I didn't have enough time when I was building my business. I had all the time in the world for my business and I was so incredibly passionate about it. It was a really great, it was a really great, and I say this now with awareness, but it was really a really great distraction from life because I was able to just dive into business and work like 12 hours, 15 hours, 17 hours a day for like a week, two weeks straight. And then I come up and it was almost like coming up for a breath of fresh air to go, oh, life is still happening around me here. And I'd try to reconnect with that date that I went on two weeks earlier. And she would say, like, what, what's going on, Daniel? Like, you haven't, you haven't returned any of my messages. You just ignored me. You totally ghosted me. And you expect you want to hang out now. I discovered it's not really how people wanted to do dating <laughs> so my, my, right. my relationship life sucked um, my friendship sucked I just realized I was so lonely and it took me a long time to figure out that like this inner loneliness and this relationship with time was interconnected but it was all just a distraction from what was really going on yeah um, and I've heard that story so many times that uh, somebody had say a date for instance and uh, it just took them a while to get back to the person and the most common thing that i hear when people tell me these stories is they were just so spent they didn't know what to say mm. 
Yeah, that's true. It's it's so true. Um, we we invest so much time in the thing that I don't know. For me, it felt like what I was supposed to be doing and putting off what it is that I wanted into the future. Like if I work hard now, one day I'll have enough time, or one day I'll have enough money, or one day something will change, and I'll be uh-huh. able to enjoy it then. And what I grew to realize is what doesn't change today is not going to change tomorrow. And no matter how much I keep focusing on what I'm doing now, if it's not working for now, it's not really going to work in the future. Now, that's not to say don't build your business and don't invest in your future. I'm not saying that at all. Right. But strategies of what is giving the outcome and the experience of life now, if we don't change it and really make an impact to creating the experience and like the emotional experience, the time experience, however it is that we want to live our lives now it's not going to change in the future because it's all a strategy and the more we practice a different way the more ingrained that pattern becomes for most people and probably i imagine most people listening to this they've already got hard ingrained patterns it's going to take a bit of effort to retrain redevelop get onto a new strategy to create the experience in life that it is that they want to experience or that we want to experience i think universally as humans yeah yeah, I couldn't I couldn't really agree more. So, um, you know, contrary to popular belief, and I mentioned this, uh, you know, the whole thing about everybody has the same 24 hours, no matter of how you use it. You love to say that time is actually not the most precious resource. So what has you going against the grain on this one? Yeah, well, this is this this is it, it can be very controversial, I guess. Um, as I say, it's just a belief right on, you know, categorically, I'm going to say of course, um, I'm not going to say that we're going to all live forever. I think that's ridiculous. A lot of people try to mismatch, you know, what I'm about to say. But inviting someone to try it on, to think, you know, if we consider time is money, time is a com- commodity, time is a resource, it means that we can we need to trade it, you know, time for money, your time for something else. And then we obsess over spending it or investing it efficiently. This is the common narrative that you see. I think it's really ingrained in hustle culture and and being wise about the time. And going back to my story before about parallax, I, I love to challenge things. It's like what comedians do. They take the mundane or the easily um, referenced thing in life and they bring attention to it. They switch it around a little bit, point to it, laugh, and then suddenly it becomes a really funny joke. I kind of like to do that just for my own entertainment or tests, if you like, and going, well, what if we take something that's so widely accepted, pointed it, reverse it, change it around, play with it, and see what happens. And of course, most of the time, either nothing happens or we get a different outcome that's equally not as serving or, or whatever. When it came to time, I was like, well, what if time became an experience? It's not a resource, but time became an experience. Okay. And it could become a measurement of wealth. We would no longer be earning money, but would be then measuring the quality of the time that we've experienced. And That's so, interesting. Go ahead. Yeah. So the truth is, and what I start realizing is you can't create more time. Time is, it is finite. When we've got this idea of, time is money well and time is a commodity it becomes a scarcity mindset you can't create more time true but you can decide what to remove from it 
Time is yeah. the ultimate equalizer. It discriminates against no one. You know, it's not it's not who has it's those who have the healthiest, most abundant relationship with it that will get the most from the experience of life. Yeah. And so we start creating these different concepts of life. What if it's an experience? Okay, so if life, if time is experience, how is it that I want to be experiencing my time? Not trading, experiencing it. And it starts going down the path of going, well, what can I change and influence right now based on how it is that I want to feel? And so a lot of people that don't have enough time say, well, I don't want to be busy. I don't want to be stressed, for example. And I'm feeling distracted. And I'm going, okay, so if you don't want that, what would you want instead? And they're like, well, I'd love to have more presence. I'd love to have more focus. I'd love to feel more calm. Uh, I'd love to be just happier and playful. I'd love to, you know, almost what they're sharing previously sounds like a weight. It sounds like a pressure. It sounds like a heaviness within them. And they're just so craving to let that go. Yeah. And I know for myself, as I went through really unpacking this, I felt that weight lift when I decided, well, I'm not going to trade my time. I'm going to experience my time differently. And I'm going to start intentionally experiencing it the way that I want to experience it. So we can still work hard. The way that this looks for me is I'm a, I go 100% all in on what it is that I'm doing. Yeah. Because when, when we talk about, you mentioned before, the hustle course, you're not a hustler. I, I, would, I would probably anticipate and think that I'm sure you work hard, you put in the hours, you, know, you show up to serve and build your business. And right. you still don't need to be a hustler to do that. Because what we can bring is a presence and a focus do what it is that we need to do, whether it's in business and it could be for an hour, it could be for a day. And then once it's done, turn it off and then be present with the next thing. It requires boundaries. It really requires boundaries and knowing what it is that's valuable to us. But I can close my laptop, then I can go and spend time with my partner. And I, I turn my phone like, you know, I, I turn my phone on airplane mode often, so I'm not getting the notification. So I'm 100% present to, and say, if I had kids, I'd do the same with my kids or whatever it is that I'm doing. Now I get to experience my time the way that I want to experience it, the way and in the way that I want to feel. Now there's a whole other body of work for people, you know, within time, but I think within life is how to experience emotions and that what how it is that we want to feel. That's a big part of it. And for most people, they don't either know how to feel or it's uncomfortable feeling these new feelings of calmness, presence, because they want to revert back to that old strategy of being busy. And it seems strange, but stress is comfortable for most people that are too busy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I certainly can relate to, to that. And what I mean by I'm not a hustler is like, uh, I, you know, some people describe it as entrepreneurial fever. I can go in bursts, but uh, mm-hmm. I can't do it for long periods of time. I'm just not built that way. And, uh, and I think, and uh, you know, and I found that a lot of people are like that. We become entrepreneurs because we're largely an entrepreneurial audience because, among many things we all have our own reasons but one that shows up a lot is i don't want to be assigned to an office to work from nine to five monday through friday with my hour for lunch and two 15 minute breaks and be expected to be at my best during that time period uh as entrepreneurs and creatives it happens when it happens we focus on 
when's the deadline? How do I meet that deadline? We're not focused on how much productivity do we do in one hour? We focus on what is the value of the final result. Uh, and so already there, you're redefining time a little bit. Uh, slightly off topic, but I think still relevant is that, you know, sometimes people will see me, it'll be Saturday afternoon or even Saturday night, I'll be uh, sitting down, uh, uh, maybe I'll be at a uh, local tea house I go to or the local cigar shop I go to, I'll have my laptop on, I'll be working on stuff and people say, hey man, you know, your boss is a real jerk making you work on Saturday night. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> I remember that joke from Entrepreneurship 101. It's real funny. Uh, or... Or what would your clients think if they knew that you were always doing this? And my usual answer is one of two things. Um, answer number one is, well, my clients aren't here now. I'm not dealing with clients. I'm dealing with this because I feel like doing it. And answer number two is, well, actually, I'm on Tinder. Mm. <laughs> I, I, I love it. I think I think so many people relate to that. And it's a really important message for people starting out in entrepreneurship. I absolutely remember that. It took a lot within me to stop feeling guilty for not going out on a Friday or Saturday night to hang out with my buddies going, you know, drinking at 11 to 2am or 3am or 4am in the morning or whatever. And I'm like, I'm young. Am I missing out on my life? I feel guilty and all these things. But then I was like, I'm building my future and what's important to me. And what that looks like now, years later, I'm, I'm sitting here in my apartment in, um, it's actually my partner's apartment in, in Sofia in Bulgaria. I got up at 4 a.m., so it's about 5.30 a.m. right now. And, you know, people could say, what, you're going you're gonna to wake up at 4 a.m.? And I actually choose to wake up at 5 a.m., 5 a.m., every morning anyway, I get up and do my exercises and that kind of thing. But I know, like, this afternoon, I'm going to take the afternoon off. Last week, I was over in Italy. Last month, we spent the week kiteboarding in, uh, in Morocco, my, my girlfriend and I. It was awesome. And this is, like for me, I'm living my dream. And when my clients see that now, and I work with the clients that are going to see that and go, wow, Daniel, that's awesome that you just work when it is that you want. They don't necessarily, and if they're not in the entrepreneurial world, they don't necessarily see that, okay, I'm working on a Saturday night or I'm waking up really early in the morning. They just see the time that I'm taking off. The ones yeah. they're like what you mentioned are going, wow, you're working at all of that time and 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 it, like it's supposed to be a public holiday today or whatever. But I think the message that I like to portray is going, the idea is to enjoy the time that it is that you have available. Right. And and and, and choose to experience it the, the way that you want. And that's not defined by what time of the day it is or what day of the week it is or whether it's a public holiday. I believe public holidays haven't been designed for entrepreneurs. They've been designed for people that are stuck in jobs, if we want to use that language. So uh, I'm, I don't care what day it is. I do what it is that I like when I like. And, and yeah. I give myself permission to enjoy it that way. Well, you know, there are some weekdays that uh, you know, I've, I have nothing major do and I don't have anything on my schedule or whatever. So I don't start till noon. Mm -hmm. yeah and so you, know why, you know why because like you know I can, I can and another point i make to folks is all right you with your nine to five job that protects your work-life balance uh you ever need a root canal before and they'll say well yeah well <laughs> you know and you know what happens when you need a root root canal that's when the tooth is dying and there's that pain shooting up into your jaw that no painkiller can do anything about the only solution is to have it can is to have it drilled out that's the only way to make the pain stop so 
if somebody's in some structured environment where they have to request time off, they're going to go to their boss and they're going to say, "My, my, I, I'm literally ready to rip half my face off and then you get some lecture of, well, what about covering the team? Uh, we have this project. And what would your, what would your coworkers think if you were uh, just ducking out in the middle of the day to handle personal stuff? Can't you see the dentist on the weekend? Yeah, there's mm. this. There's this one job I had when I was in corporate. I swear to God, this supervisor I had, uh, yeah, she, she, I mean, this this mythical thing called the weekend where apparently everything else except the job happens. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just un, it's just unbelievable. So you can live in that environment, but I can tell you, I can tell you as I sit here right now, um, my teeth are feeling fine. Yeah, let's say, let's, let's say I wake up tomorrow morning and I feel like I feel like I'm ready to just grab half my face and rip it off because one of them decided to die on me. I'll be I'll <laughs> be I'll be in an endodontist chair tomorrow afternoon getting it taken care of. Yeah, absolutely. And now and now and that right that right there and just that those those examples of being able to ride the flexibility curve or would carry me through during the really blah times that we all experience now and again. Mm-hmm yeah yeah so uh so part of what i'm picking up here is the idea of switching time from a physical reality into a psychological state instead so uh just tell us why is that so important and uh and how do we kind of go about doing that to actually make that switch because it's easy to say oh i'll just treat create time as an experience but meanwhile uh you're you're getting all five of your doors pounded down yeah <laughs> yeah, well, going back to what you just mentioned uh, about creating that choice, we wonder why we don't have, well, it goes much deeper, but talking about boundaries and personal boundaries, when, you know, one of the big objections why I think most people don't experience the time they want it is because they're feeling under pressure or their ability or inability to say no. And, and that, that, that scenario that you just painted out there, it's so true employers expecting so much and saying, well, you have to do this, you have to do that. And yeah, yeah. showing up and going, oh yeah, I have to, okay, I've got no time for myself. But when we come back and we've rebuilt, and this is a whole nother conversation on self-esteem triad and rebuilt our own abilities to communicate our needs and to be able to communicate strong boundaries and say, well, I need to really look after myself right now. This is what I'm going to do. And if you're not going to respect it, I'm not your slave to show up here and, and do that. And we don't see enough of that. And I think we're seeing more of that in, in the business world, in the, in the employment world. But the, one, the people that aren't bringing that are going to be stuck in that system, believing they don't have enough time, they don't have enough choice, they don't have enough control over what their future is, what's painted in their future. And I think it's a really important conversation to be having when it comes to entrepreneurship to really to be able to develop those personal boundaries and especially coming back to this conversation with time. Uh, it must be one of the biggest criteria. One of the main criteria is being able to know what our own personal boundaries are, what we're going to tolerate and what we're not going to tolerate and how it is that we're going to show up and interact with others. Um, and then that gives us choice to go, well, now I'm taking responsibility for the time that I have and how I'm going to best, uh, you know, going back to the old language of how I'm going to use it, how I'm going to experience it um, and, and what I'm going to do to shape this part of my life right now. Yeah. So going to your question and bringing it into a psychological state, it's really important because 
I, when time is a commodity, it's a resource, it's external to us. So we can't see each other on the, in the camera right now, but if you imagine you take your hand and put it out in front of you, that's where time is placed for most yeah. people. In, right, right, right in, in front of me. Like, yeah, like I'm, 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 I'm sitting in a dark room, uh, uh, resting my eyes in a, uh, in a, in a, in a posture that, believe me, is not my media pose. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't do these for 45 minutes to an hour, so I can sit up uncomfortably. That's just not how it is. Because in real mastermind conversations, you're not staring into a webcam for 45 minutes. That's one of the parts of our brand of this show. But yeah, I'm yeah. I'm looking straight ahead, and you know what I see is I is I see um, in my email uh, the application you sent when you requested to be on this show. Yeah, that's what I see. That's yeah. what I see. So what? And then there's also a tab open because uh, I was in my Facebook group uh, while I was waiting for you to log in. Uh, I think I have like four separate tabs for my email because I keep forgetting I already have one open. And I see a LinkedIn. Um, I see my Instagram and a couple others that uh, we're not going to tell the kids about. And I think somewhere, <laughs> and I and I think somewhere I was watching cat videos. I'm, I think this one is actually cat videos. I'm not sure, but uh, but the point is, these are these are all things that are clearly defined. And if I hold my hand out in front of them, what I'm actually seeing is I'm seeing my five fingers holding up, and they're partially blocking my view. That's what I'm mm -hmm. seeing. It, the picture that you're painting sounds very busy there. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you got a lot going on. Uh -huh. So that's, and that's where most people put their time, their time when it's a, when it's a resource, it's external. Now, nothing external to us, we have control over. We can't influence it when it's external to us. So when we bring, when we look at time and the relationship with time is an internal experience. Now we have influence over it. We can impact it. We have control. I don't know whether the right language is we can control it, but we can decide what our experience of it's going to be. And therefore, we can bring personal responsibility to it because when it's external, you know, people can have, we can have excuses. We can blame others for it, blame the scenario, blame the situation. Um, we can bring judgment to it. Um, that thing happened. So therefore, I have to do this, like the stories we're sharing earlier. When we bring it internal to us, now we have some influence over it. We can decide how we're going to experience it um, and we can do something about it. And I think that's the number one important switch to going, okay, what if time is not a commodity, a resource? It's an experience and it's an experience within us and it's our relationship with it. That's the number one reason why I made that switch and why I think it's, it's a huge switch that's making a big impact for many right. people. Exactly. So I'm going to cite two concepts from my book, Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy, and put these together. Uh, the first is in the uh, mindset section, the S chapter. Uh, one of the things I mentioned is that you know how every cloud has a silver lining? Well, you should invest mm. in that. You should invest in that silver lining because it's a precious metal. So let's look at this whole COVID thing, uh, whatever you think of it. One of the silver linings is that Companies that had been unduly, in my view, resistant to the idea of people working remotely or working hybrid, were now put in a situation where they're given a choice. It's like, uh, your people will either work from home or you will cease operations. There are no other choices. So they had to send the employees home with their laptops and have them log in through VPNs. That, that's the only way they could stay in business. And you know, to this day, we're three and a half years later, a lot of times I'll call in someplace for customer service 
And it's still the same customer service I'm used to, but you do hear the dog running in the background. Mm. So that's so that's that that's one thing. And uh, you know, and when you're working remotely, working from home, working hybrid or what have you, that can be a benefit to you when you merge the next topic. I cite a study in the book, and this in this is one of several studies that all say substantially the same thing. But they looked at that nine to five, Monday through Friday office worker in an environment that did not necessarily require them to be in that spot to do their job. And they determined that of the eight hours, not meant, not including the, the lunch and the mandatory breaks, the eight hours that were actually the work hours, they spent on average two hours and 53 minutes engaged in activities that uh, benefited the company's bottom line and returned on investment in their salaries. Hmm. Where was the rest of the time going? Uh, bullshit meetings, uh, spending a half hour crafting an email lest you offend some snowflake in the C-suite by not being obsequious enough, uh, office politics, water cooler, and uh, the thing on Friday morning where by lunchtime you actually already have all your work done and you could go home, but now you got to sit there and pretend like you're busy for four hours. <laughs> right. Uh, which is which I remember when I was in corporate that Friday afternoons were the absolute worst because I was one of those people by Friday morning. I was done for the week. I all my deliverables were in uh, all my boxes were checked. Uh, so I I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? So now you take that you take that person who does not to me to be in that situation and you move them remote. Now, they may spend about three hours on their workday. Now, the other five hours, what is it spent on? Running errands, taking the kids to school, dropping them off. If you're homeschooling, uh, the t- couple hours a day, and I'll get to that in a second, that you're you're helping the kids study. Uh, I think I said laundry. That's, that's a big one. Uh, preparing dinner. Maybe watching some garbage noontime stay-at-home TV. Who knows? But somewhere in there, there's two hours and 54 minutes where you're going to return the investment. And you might return more investment because before that two hours and 53 minutes started, you didn't spend an hour and a half sitting in traffic on a roadway that outside of rush hour only takes you 20 minutes. I mean, here's another study that showed that uh, based on the average commute time here in the United States, if you're commuting from your home to an office, whatever whatever your salary is and you divide it by 2080 to figure out your hourly rate, it just went down by like a dollar and 20 cents an hour just on the commute. And so when you're not commuting, you're also not worrying about clothes. You're not worrying about packing a lunch or buying a lunch. You're not worried about uh, parking your car. In so many places, will have parking lots, and then they'll still charge your own employees. Or you're not worried about uh, trying to mesh your travel with public transportation. All this stuff is all the way. So already you're not you're starting the day winning, not losing. So we've already taken time and we've moved it into a different type of experience instead of Instead of spending an hour and a half taking a 20-minute trip, knowing that if you get into work at 8.01, your boss is going to pull you aside and spend 20 more minutes lecturing you on your lack of punctuality, you just <laughs> you just log in at 8 o'clock. <laughs> you might wake yeah. up at 7.59, be ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I, but now, let's mer- now let's merge that to the educational system. Uh, if, you know, institutionalized education whether you know whether it's your public school your charter school your private school your parochial school what have you has the students go to a building 
and send these things called classes. And each class is usually somewhere between 42 and 47 minutes long. And during that 42 to 47 minutes, you'll focus on one subject. Then the bell will ring and you'll have five minutes to literally run, even though you're not allowed to run, but you have to, to get to your locker, switch books and make it to your next class before the bell rings. Otherwise, you'll get detention. And then you can sit for another 47 minutes. Effective homeschooling takes the average student it's funny, just a little over, th just a little under three hours a day. Here's a simple reason why. In institutionalized learning, you might not need to spend 47 minutes in your history class because it's an easy subject for you. you. You read the assignments, you take the test, it's an easy A because you love it and you're good at it. But then go to your math class and you're not mathematically inclined. I'm speaking of myself here. And you're spending those 40 minutes struggling on a subject you hate only to get homework that you can hate some more. With homeschooling, if you only need five minutes for the history, that's all you spend. And then the rest of your history can be reading on your own time if you, if you enjoy history. Or if you don't enjoy history, but you're good at it, you get it out in five minutes. If you need three hours for the math, there's three hours there. They have the tutorials. They have the workbooks. Uh, some homeschooling programs have the thing where you can chat with a tutor. Uh, you can So what you can do is you can take the time you need for the studies and optimize it toward where you need the support in the classes that are most aligned with your brilliance and your passion and what you believe you're going to do when you grow up. So that's why it takes less time. So in both of these examples, I just want to get your thoughts. Have I articulated the idea of taking time and moving it from being um, a construct or a thing and make it an experience instead. Mm. I love what you're sharing in both those scenarios. It, 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 we can see why people are so time poor because the structures and the institutions that we've created that operate our current society are teaching and demonstrating and forcing people into a scarcity mindset. And you've got to do this and do this and you've got a lack of time and, and show up in this kind of way. And uh, like... It's so challenging to have a different experience than being stressed and overwhelmed and busy and unfulfilled and feeling like we're being forced and told how it is that we've got to behave. Right. Versus what you just shared there is creating a different approach. And I've got no idea about homeschooling. I, I don't have kids. Right. I, I would imagine that, um, you know, a lot of school is about socialization, but you can bring so much other choice and into how you're going to recreate those things that are important. And I love the, the, um, the, the message that you're sharing there is making it more individualized in right. a way that works for us personally. And so my thoughts on that is going, understanding what we want and how it is that we want to experience life. Like, you know, even just the simple uh, view of introversion versus extroversion. Some people are going to want to go to the office and hang out and get together and talk. No, and, do you say no, 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 no. Go ahead. Yeah, and and other people don't want to do that. They'd rather be at home, read a book, and yes, you know, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and, but, but I'm the same. People go, Dan, you're such an. When I tell people that I'm introverted, uh, people are like, what? No way. You know, I'll get on stage and I run facilitations and workshops and whatever. And I'm like, well, I, I can be confident and introverted. I'd rather be at home and reading my book and hanging out and doing my work. And I go out and I, I'm going to choose when I want to be around people. But if I had right. to be in a job where there's a huge office and every, it's so draining for me. That's not the experience uh -huh. that I want to create because I'm being around. It's too much energy for me to handle all the time. I need to prepare and I can't prepare for that day in and day out. And I right. think it's the same for children as well. 
Um, uh-huh. It's important. We need to socialize kids. Of course we do. So that's, that's, I think, is a downside for homeschooling. But you can recreate that in the way that children want to do it. And so it ties totally into going, well, what's the experience that we want to create based on what our values are? And I think the big point here is we don't manage time. No one manages time. We manage decisions. And in this world, people haven't been taught how to manage decisions, make decisions in the face of challenge, in the face of adversity, based on what's important to them and what they value. I think so much has been taken care of within our societies and like almost being influenced or persuaded or being told this is the rule, this is how we have to do it, that our decision-making ability hasn't been developed enough to then make these decisions based on what's important to us. I think that's such a big part that we could look into and explore more to really yeah, well, create a different experience. Right. Well, let's let's address the homeschooling thing a little bit more because I, I don't have kids either, but I uh, have a lot of people who are my friends who are within my age cohort who do have kids. So the socialization mm. issue, contrary to some popular belief, has been addressed. And let me give you a few examples. One is you are seeing more and more group homeschooling. So you get a you get a few parents whose kids are all substantially the same age and uh, the kids get together every day and they do their homeschooling together. They form their own little classes. They're each working independently, but they're in a group. That's one thing. Another is most school districts are required to allow homeschooled kids within the district to participate in their extracurricular activities. So if you want to homeschool and also be on the football team, you can do that. That's another thing. A third is there are a lot of institutions that are already out there that allow for socialization, uh, like scouts, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, uh, the Little League team, uh, the chess club, uh, you know, classes at the skating rink. There's so many things that kids can do. And, and what we see in, you know, in homeschooling is something you see more, I think a little bit more, I don't have the numbers on this, but I think anecdotally, it's a little bit more in rural areas and what's great about that is the kids are spending their two to three hours on a computer doing their mandatory lessons to comply with the state's education requirements they're doing the homework uh they're they're taking the tests they're certifying that they're such and such grade level yada 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 and then they're also spending a couple hours maybe they're out with dad, uh, learning how to work on cars, or maybe they're with mom, uh, learning gardening and farming. Maybe they have a lot of animals, so now they're learning animal husbandry. Uh, Perhaps they have horses, so they're working on their equestrian skills. So these are also educational things, and they are experiences. So now we're taking that time we're making them sit in classrooms for 42 to 47 minutes in those in those arbitrarily defined blocks. And now we're redefining time as an experience and actually putting more into the same amount of time. Mm. It's so good. I, I, I love it. I was just sitting there imagining how that would how that would look differently because one of the things that I'd maybe call me an anti-conformist, I have I have a bit of a rebel nature in me the establishments and and the way that I feel like people are almost herded through like sheep and it's a uh-huh. one size fits all approach for people. Yeah. And and what you're describing is is not that. Right. I do wonder though, you know, in terms of I, I'd, I'd be totally open for it. I'd love to see what happened. But if if we weren't conditioned through these traditional schooling methods, 
it probably wouldn't work in the work society that we have. So we'd have to create something else and then we'd have this ripple effect. We'd have a totally different culture and society. Yeah, you, you, you do. Yeah, I, you I do, love you, the idea. Yeah, you do, you do have a point. And, you know, there are some things where you do have to go to a discrete place and you have to work from um, from nine to five or whatever your shift is. For example, if you work in healthcare, well, the do- doctor's office has got to be open. You can't do doctor work on Zoom. You can't do surgery on Zoom. You got to actually go to a hospital to get surgery done. So there are examples. Uh, if you're in, uh, if you're in, uh, in, in uh, public safety, like police, fire departments, the ambulance, that's shift work. If you are industrial, you're working in a factory, you're doing engineering work, that's shift work. And, but these are all choices that people make. And some people thrive within that structure. I believe I, I don't put I never put somebody down because they have some job that they go to where they work 40 hours a week and they spend the entire time sitting in a cubicle, looking at their computer, working on spreadsheets for two reasons. Number one, there are people out there who love to work on spreadsheets for hour, 40 hours a week. And number two, we need them because the other stuff isn't possible without them. Yeah. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. It blows my mind that people love doing spreadsheets and all those number work, but I've met many of them myself and it just lights them up. It's what they love to do. And uh-huh. that's what I, the only, the only people that I question, like, why are you doing that? Are the ones that are complaining that they don't want to be doing it. And I'm yeah. like, if you hate it, do something different. That's your choice. You know, why it, are you doing yeah. that? Because I have to. They don't know any other way. Yeah, you know what I say? Yeah, you know what I say to that? I say, Uh, Let's say, for example, you want to change careers or you want to move to a different part of the country. I moved all the way across the United States 10 years ago because I wanted uh, a different lifestyle in a different place. And I look at it and somebody might say, well, you know, I'd love to move to Las Vegas, but, uh, you know, I'd have to find a job there or, or, or start a business that allows me to work wherever I want to. Then there's a matter that, uh, you know, we need to move, move at a certain time of year because we don't want to interrupt the kid's school year. Uh, my spouse has to find a job. Uh, you know, we have to sell the house. We have to liquidate the assets. Lots of things. Uh, that that would take me three years to do. And you know what I say to them? I say, all right, so now you know it takes three years. Take your first step today because you wait till tomorrow, it's going to take you three years in one day. Yeah, yeah, that's what I say. Just do it. Yeah, do it. Hey, think, yeah, uh, yeah. If it's going to take three years, it's going to take three years. Let's not argue that point. That's real. But uh, let's hmm. but let's now assign the time to using those three years to take the necessary steps rather than spend two years figuring out how we're going to make the three years work and then doing the three years. Oh, that's, that, that's what I, <laughs> I know that that's a whole nother conversation, but it's one of the biggest things that comes up when I'm, when I was coaching an entrepreneurship, people trying to figure it all out in the future. And they're wondering why they're overwhelmed and procrastinating because they're trying to figure out step five before they've taken the first step. Jeez, that holds back a lot of people. Um, but, and, and then, Often, when you take the first step, it's half the time than what you anticipated. It's nowhere near as long as what it is that you're creating in your mind, for sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I did, yeah. I mean, I spent years figuring out how the hell am I going to get out of Pittsburgh? And then I told this story on other podcasts uh, for our listeners. Go to our history. Go to the place where we list the, uh, the, the guests and find my interview with uh, Daniel Jackson. I cover it there. I actually remember this one. And I tell the story about I decided to move to Las Vegas because I had a dream about something. Uh, I'll let our listeners, after you listen to this one, go listen to that one. It's fascinating. So 
I had this dream and I woke up from it. And then I realized, you know what? I got to go. I got to get the hell out of here. So I looked at it and I said, well, today is July. It was July 7th. I remember the date. It was July 7th. And I'm thinking, okay, so what would it take for me to get out of Pittsburgh and get to Las Vegas? And I realized that there were really two things holding me up. One was that my lease in my apartment ran till October 31st. So I answered that one. Okay, target date November 1st. Just won't, I'll just stay here till the lease is up. That actually buys me some time so I can do this methodically. And the second item was, is I'm going to need some cash for the move. Well, I'm an entrepreneur. I created the cash. Hmm. So, it's so, just, it, so, so a lot of it's just a matter of problem solving. And, uh, yeah. and, I've been in, and I've been in places, in fact, recently where I've looked at problems and I've said, I can't see a solution to this. But the thing is, is I found the solution because I decided to look for it. Mm. Yeah, I think there's three big reasons why people, and I say people as a generalization in this world, there's three big reasons. And then a fourth that I've noticed as well, why we're not getting everything that it is that we want in life. The first one is, and I kind of hear is too stupid too stupid to create the business or live the life or create the income, whatever it is. And let's face yeah. it, some people don't have the brains, but I think that's rare. Like, you know, less than like 3% or 5% of the population. Because like even the so-called in quotation marks, the stupid ones are still making it big. So I'm like, okay, what's your excuse then? You know, like if you're not too stupid, then there's another category, um, which is too arrogant. I think arrogance is an emotional weakness. You know, people need to be right about everything. This is me. I, I'll put my hand up very quickly for this one. It took me until I turned about 30 that I was too arrogant, thinking that I had everything figured out. And you know, I think actually it was starting business, getting into the entrepreneurial world to realize that I didn't have all my shit figured out and I needed to do better. Um, because, you know, for me to think I knew better than someone that had already had success, that was total arrogance. And I just say to people now, good luck reinventing the wheel while others are simply just doing what works to find out what works and do that. I think the main category why people aren't getting what it is that they want is too lazy. It's the biggest killer. Like we have all the resources in the world. Most people just can't be bothered. It's just like yeah. what you're mentioning. Oh, it'll take three years. It'll take a whole lot of work. But I'm like, is really, is what you really want worth the effort for you? And for most people, it's the inaction. The inaction screams aloud no, because I'd rather be comfortable than just facing a little bit of discomfort. Just yeah. being comfortable in that discomfort. And I think it's just, it's, it's the silent killer of people. And we're always fighting a battle. If we're fighting the battle out and striving for more to really go after what it is that we want, that's a battle. Uh -huh. If we're sitting here and doing nothing, now that becomes an internal battle with ourselves for sitting for mediocrity. And then we talk about depression or, um, you know, these mental states that people aren't wired to have no problems. We, we are wired to have problems. The human brain needs a challenge. So if we're not going to go out and face the world and, and, and create challenges that are worth having, we'll just create internal challenges. And I think that's a big reason why we've got the, you know, these, I don't want to minimize the challenges that we have, but they're not really quality problems. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, uh, yeah, world, you know, it's things. a, and so, it just occurred to me while I was listening to you that I think sometimes we create problems because other people have them. So going back to the story <laughs> of when I when I looked at uh, my life and I said, you know what, I've been thinking about getting 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 to Las Vegas for all these years. 
we're just going to do it. And I, and I figured, okay, lease ends October 31st. The target date for move is November 1st. That's fine. Uh, that way I don't have to pay any lease break fees and I can do it methodically. Second is I need $5,000. Well, I found two projects, got my $5,000. Uh, mm. now, now, remember earlier in our conversation, I said that one of the things that might cause it to take people three years is kids, spouse, uh, disposing of real property, those types of things. Mm. It's like... I don't have kids. I don't have a spouse. I don't own a house. So mm. psychologically, there's programming that tells me that doing this is hard because mm. for other people it's hard, but these problems don't exist for me. So all I mm. so all I have to do essentially is stay single and don't buy a house. <laughs> now, I now ironically I ended up finding a girlfriend who was supposed to move out and follow me here, but you know, it didn't work out, but that's a different story. And, you know, just things happen. But, uh, but even that was solvable because for a while there, she said, okay, well, okay. If you want to move to Las Vegas, I'll come with you. Well, mm. thank God she didn't. That's another story as well. But uh, you know, uh, that, that's another, yeah. that's another case where I made it work for me. And I had the presence of mind to say, what's most important here. Um, a two-month-old relationship uh, is this a perfect relationship? Uh, uh, am I already am I already pricing wedding rings? Uh, I wasn't, so I had to look at it objectively, and I just laid it out. I said, "I'm uh, bear in mind that uh, I'm going to I'm going to Las Vegas after November. So one of three things can happen: uh, we can uh, we can play until I leave. Uh, you can come with me when I do, or we can end it now." Mm. And I and I and I essentially made and I essentially made it her decision. And uh, and the way I viewed it is, I was giving her the agency and her the power to make the decision that made the best sense for her. Because I had the confidence. Well, there, you know, Las Vegas is a big city. And there's lots of women here. Believe me. Women, yeah. Well, yeah, finding women has not been one of my problems since I got here. So uh, <laughs> you know, not, you know, not 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 to turn this into that type of conversation, but it's reality. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's a really wonderful uh, demonstration of yeah. making decisions in the face of challenge. I right. think navigating uncertainty, it must be one of the key criteria to, to success. I, I love that conversation. And, you know, what you're talking about before and you're referring to is uh, around not knowing or creating the problems. I think a lot of the creating the problems that we have is based off an ignorance an ignorance on, I don't know how to figure it out yet. That's a problem. Therefore, I won't do anything about it. And I say ignorance with respect because we're all ignorant of what we don't know until we know, right? But it's people like you and I and our listeners that are going out and doing amazing things in their life. They are the ones that are different, that are actively going to seek the change that they need at a rapid pace, a rapid change in their thinking and their approach to life to figure it out. And as we do it, we realize it's not actually as hard as what previously were perceiving it to be because we couldn't see any other way we didn't have we didn't have the the fundamental knowledge or perception or perspective to go oh we just do that anything we've done in the past we look back at it and go okay well that's probably pretty easy i know what to do and i'll go and take care of it but you can join the dots going backwards you can't join the dots going forward we're just going to go and start creating some dots and figuring it out along the way i had a lot i have a lot of respect for people doing that because it does mm -hmm. require courage uh, I think it's awesome. When you show up with courage, you be brave. That's where we grow and we really see the change in our life. And we can do it so quickly when we choose yeah. to step in. I think there's I think there's one more thing uh, that comes up and it has to do with uh, 
how we're socialized, uh, something that we get through the education system, and certain mores. It's the idea that once you make a decision, you stick with it because otherwise you're either a quitter or a flip-flopper. Uh, I'll give you an example that everybody that everybody I think can relate to at one reason or another. Like um, you can take your pick, uh, pick your fi- you know, pick your least favorite politician, whoever it is. So here in the United States, uh, look at the plethora of candidates for the presidency who are now competing in primaries. You can pick, go to the one you hate the most, find some position that they are, that's in their platform right now. And nine out of 10, you'll be able to rewind to some previous office they had or some previous campaign they ran where they had the opposite position. Now, look at the candidate you like. I bet you find the same thing. So remember from 2004 for our United States listeners and and George W. Bush called John Kerry a flip-flopper because he said that he supported something till he didn't or something like that. I can't remember what the issue was. And so basically it created a, a false impression that changing your mind on something because maybe society evolved, policy evolved, realities evolved, you changed your position on an issue or decided, oh, I remember what it was. John Kerry said, I supported the war until I didn't. Well, I know a lot of people that thought back, you know, after 9-11, that it was a really freaking good idea to go to Afghanistan and nail those sons of bitches who blew up our buildings. And hey, since we're there, Iraq's been a problem for 20 years. Let's take care of them, too. Let's, let's, make, make, let's make a clean slate and solve all our problems. Now, you can look at this retrospectively 20 years later and say, why the hell did we do that? Hmm. So, uh, but, but in 2003, you thought it was a good idea. In 2023, you, 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 don't, you maybe don't think it was such a great idea. You're a flip-flopper. No, mm-hmm. no. You saw events progress. You saw actions, reactions, consequences, and follow-ups. And you recognize after subsequent learning that new information gave you a different position and a different opinion. So translate that to entrepreneurial and executive decision-making. And this is something that I struggled with when I was in corporate. It seemed like, oh, it seems like every single time uh, these, you know, they, they tell us to do something. And then two hours later, they're saying, oh no, don't do that. Do this instead. Don't no." And And I'm thinking, well, you, you just told me to do this. <laughs> well, here, well, here's, here's, here, and, and I'd get real mad over this. And I recognize now with the value of hindsight that what was really going on is something that's key to entrepreneurial executive decision-making. Having the courage, the fortitude, and the emotional intelligence to make a decision and then a few steps down the road, make another decision. Hmm. Because the world, because the world's not going to stay static uh, and give you the same set, set of factors when you made the original decision. Things are going to move on with or without you. Hmm. It's such an important point. Behavior, uh, like I, I see that through the lens of behavioral flexibility, and it's something that I, I well, 
we don't have until we develop it. I think a lot of the population's lacking it and something that I'm always reminding myself of when things, especially when things are going wrong or not the way that I want it to bring behavioral flexibility. I think it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of um, ownership and responsibility to go, okay, this is not how I want it. I'm going to change it. But then when other people are involved to also go, you know what, I wasn't quite on the mark there or we maybe it will be admitting wrong. And I'm not a big fan of necessarily right and wrong. I think it's, yeah. are we doing what it is that are we doing what it is that we need to do to get the outcomes that it is that we want? And sometimes that outcomes change, the goalposts change. I know that's really challenging for a lot of people. A metaphor I like to use and um, staying on the topic of, of war is um, a homing missile. You know, if you send off a homing missile and it's targeted, it's it's um, reassessing its path at every moment along the way, so it hits the target. If it's taking a little bit off course, it's like, okay, recorrect, 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 recorrect. Nothing uh-huh. is fixed. It's the same with the autopilot on a plane. It's, it's never fixed. It's moving all the way until it hits the destination. I think when we bring that approach to, say, business or life or relationships or whatever, it's recalibrating, redirecting on every moment because every influencing factor is going to change the outcome where we're going. And if we want to hit that outcome, we have to do what it is that you're suggesting there. To keep reassessing, right? Yeah, yeah. And so now what we've done is we've we've uh, actually applied decision making and problem solving to turning time into an experience. Because with decision making and problem solving, time will take you on. Yeah, and that it's a matter of taking that same power that we covered in the first half and applying it to that. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. I mentioned the first half. We're done with the second half, so we're basically done here. Uh, but I do want to uh, give our listeners a resource that I myself am going to take up on because this sounds really good. I want you all to visit. I want you all to visit Daniel Lawson's website. It's ParallaxTransformations.com. Now, stay with me because I need to spell that for you. You can come to our website and go in the show notes. The link is there. Uh, you're covered. Is if you just want something to the link to click on but i got to spell parallax for you because he added an extra letter or two it's p-a-r-a-l-l-a-x-x then the word transformations.com so two l's and two x's in the word parallax well he's the way he spells it and when you get there uh you're going to see the opportunity to claim your pdf copy of Daniel's book that I mentioned at the very beginning, it's called Three Toxic Lies That Keep You Busy, Stressed, and Unfulfilled, where he delves into the issue of time in greater detail and also expounds upon a few of the other topics we covered here today. It's, it's an ebook. Go get it. It's, it's there for you right now at ParallaxTransformations.com. And with that, Daniel Lawson, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me, an education. Yeah, you're so welcome. You're so welcome. I'm really pumped to share that book. Uh, the, the PDF is available for free. Go and grab it. It's about to go for print. So if anyone does want the hard copy, that's for sale as well. Uh, I am going to be like starting to phase out the PDF. So anyone that wants it, go and grab it as soon as possible. Otherwise, it's just going to be for payment. It'll be on Amazon, distributed around the world. It's got heaps of really cool activities in there. And the how-to, go and start changing time mindset and your relationship with time as of today, as of tomorrow, take the action. And and it's been transformative for so many people. So really pumped, really excited to share that with as many people that want it and make a change in their life. 
All right. So if you're listening to this in 2023, there's a PDF there. If you're listening to this three years later, you might have to pay 15 bucks. But believe me, it's worth the investment. So again, thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thank you. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.